Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Folks, I'm going to give you something to write down. It's a truth that you need to grasp. It's a truth that a lot of times you're going to forget, truth that a lot of times that you're not even going to want to even recognize because when you're in the midst of it, this doesn't go well. And here's the truth. God does not promise to take away your problem. I want you to hear me. I'll say it again. Write it down. God does not promise to take away your problem. Now that's really hard for us because we don't really like that because a lot of times in our prayers, especially when you and I are going through it, we want God to take away our problem because there's not a person here alive that enjoys struggles, that enjoys the difficulties, that enjoys the health issues, that enjoys having one difficulty after another. Nobody here enjoys that. And if you do, please come talk to me. We'll find you a counselor. Because that's not normal. It's not normal at all. What's normal is, is we want to have a life free from those issues, right? Is that not true? Isn't that why we do all the things that we do to try to escape? Listen, in fact, one of the biggest struggles in our community right now is opioid use. People just don't decide to get addicted to that. A lot of times they get addicted because they're trying to remove pain. And then they find themselves addicted. Think about it. A lot of it, a lot of the addictions come from coping mechanisms. What are we trying to cope with? The pain, the difficulties, the struggles that we deal with. We don't know how to deal with them. That's reality. And, and so when I say to you the truth is, is that God doesn't promise to take away your problem, that will shake some of you because you'll even begin to question, well, really? I thought that he did. Well, some of it is because, to be honest with you, we have allowed other influences to kind of guide us in our concept of God. So if you're here and you think that God wants you to always be happy, well, he wants your joy. He wants you to have joy, but he, he didn't promise you a perfect life. So you say, okay, wow, George, that's a really heavy thought there because I'm in the midst of it or I've gone through it or I'm expecting to go through it. Thanks for the encouragement. Here's the thing. Before we get to the encouragement, I want you to understand something. The reason why the Bible doesn't promise to take away your problem is that the Bible operates under an assumption. Here's the assumption if you want to write this down. The Bible assumes that you're going to suffer. Did you hear me? The Bible, from the very beginning, assumes that you're going to suffer. That's why, can I be honest with you, I remember, I've been a believer now 32 years. 1985, I committed my life to follow Jesus Christ. And in 32 years, I can remember in those early years hearing a lot of different preachers saying things like this. It's very difficult to try to understand why suffering is from the Bible. Yeah, you know what? They're, they're, they, those preachers were right, yes. There, there is no solid reason given in the Scripture why suffering happens. Why? Because the Bible just assumes that you're going to what? Suffer. 
You're going to go through difficult times. Why? Because some of it, Peter talks about this, is that it's because you created for yourself. And you know what I'm talking about. You and I have done dumb things and we face the consequences for it, right? But then there's other times that you face it, you didn't create it for yourself. It just happened. It came out of nowhere and it knocked the legs out from under you and you're struggling and you're like, why is this happening to me? And then all kinds of wrestling happens within you and you're like, God, where are you? Now add to that suffering even more suffering. What do you mean? Well, because we're in a Christian circle and we have Christian friends and we all adopt this lie that goes around, well, you must have done something wrong. You must have sinned because God must be punishing you. First of all, that's a lie. Now, God can use difficult circumstances to get our attention. He can use them for discipline. But a lot of times what we face has nothing to do with whether or not you sinned or not. Because we all sin. Period. Do you understand? The suffering happens simply because you live on planet Earth. Do you understand? And we need to grasp that. Now, you say, okay, George, wow. Okay, you laid the foundation there. I'm with you. I understand that. I am feeling really disheartened because I came here to be encouraged this morning. You just kind of told me the facts and you laid them out pretty strong. God doesn't promise to take away my problem and it just assumes I'm going to suffer. Wonderful. Can we leave now? I've got to look for a bright spot. There is a bright spot. The bright spot is Jesus. Because you've got to look to somebody to carry you through the difficulty that you're going through. And I think it's amazing that he writes seven letters to seven churches to deal with issues that they're dealing with. Let's, to be honest with you, are the same issues that we deal with. And he's writing a letter to a church that is probably the shortest letter of the seven. And it's about their suffering. And he's going to point out some things about himself that you and I need to grab a hold of. He's going to point out some things about what they're going through. And he's going to show them what they need to do which is what you and I need to do because the fact of the matter is, folks, stuff happens, right? Difficulties happen. Struggles happen. Suffering happens. You say, well, everything's fine right now. You just wait. I'm not a prophet. I'm just telling you stuff happens. Enjoy it while it's not happening. And then he gives us a promise. So notice with me. We're going to look at verse 8 through 11. We're going to look at these four verses. And to the angel or messenger of the church in Smyrna write, These things says the first and the last, who was dead and came to life. I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, are not but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, but you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until the end, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Okay, folks, let's take a look at this. We've got four verses. I basically have divided it up, these letters, into four sections. We're going to look at it's him. We're going to look at how Jesus describes himself. And folks, when we every time Jesus describes himself to the church, he describes himself in a way that is relevant to what they're facing. So the description we see here is relevant to you and I because we face what? 
suffering. Then what we're going to see is, is what he knows. He knows a lot about this church. He knows a lot about you and I. He knows. Then we're going to see what must happen. And then we're going to see the promise. So let's look here. First of all, it's him. First thing I want you to see is notice what Jesus says. These things says the first and the last. That is one of the titles of God. That is one of the titles of Jesus. What does it express? Jesus has always existed and will always exist. It's talking about his eternality. Now here's what I want you to see. When you and I are going through the midst of whatever we're going through, and some of you right now are going through it, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. The biggest struggle that you have is not just with the issue that you're facing. The biggest struggle that you have is with your faith, your faith in God. And you wonder, is he even aware? Is he even there? Does he even know what's going on? Is he even powerful enough to deal with it? And sometimes you question that because you've been begging him. Literally, you have been begging him. You've been crying out to him. You have shed tears to him privately before him saying, God, take away my problem. I can't deal with this. You struggle with who he is. This church was going through some severe problems. They were going through tribulation. That is, some difficult circumstances. They were going through poverty. They weren't making ends meet. And they were going through severe persecution. Jesus says to them, I'm the first and the last. I'm God. I have always existed. I will always exist. I am above your problem. Your problem isn't bigger than me. Sometimes you need to understand that. Your problem isn't bigger than God. If you want to write that down, write that down. Your problem, your difficulty, your suffering isn't bigger than your God. And sometimes we make it bigger than our God, don't we? Sometimes we make our problems bigger than God. God is bigger than your problem. He's bigger than the difficulty that you face. Here's the second thing he says about himself. Jesus died and came back to life. Jesus died and came back to life. Here's what he says. He said, was dead and came to life. What's he talking about there? He's talking about his suffering and his resurrection. He died on the cross. He experienced the suffering and pain. He took upon himself our shame. And then he was buried. And on the third day, he rose again. What's that significant of? What he went through. He understands suffering. He understands pain. Isn't that what we cry out to God all the time? God, do you know what I'm going through? God, do you know what I'm enduring? God, do you know these difficulties? Do you understand, folks? He understands. So remember I told you, so he's not, God is bigger than your problem. Number two, he understands your problem. He understands the pain. He understands the suffering. Have you noticed something? Listen, sometimes we need to know that because here's what happens. When you go through it and you're in the midst of your struggle, and you go to your loved one who's near to you and you try to explain to them, look, this is what I'm going through. This is the struggle I'm going through. Part of the frustration is, is even though you're talking to them about your problem, you're always got this thought in the back of your mind. Oh, they think they know what's going on, but they don't know what's going on. They don't know exactly how I'm feeling. And, the, you know, the reality is, is they don't. Someone could say to you, oh, yeah, I understand. No, they don't understand. Do they? No, they don't understand, do they? They can be sympathetic, 
They can put an arm around you for a moment, but you still leave there thinking, nobody understands what I'm going through. Folks, Jesus understands what you're going through. He was dead and came back to life. He suffered beyond suffering for you and I. He understands what you're feeling. He knows exactly what you're feeling. See, this is the Jesus. This is the Jesus who's writing you a letter, who's bigger than your problem, who understands what you're going through. Isn't that awesome to know? Sometimes we've got to remind ourselves, because sometimes the struggle that we have when we're in the midst of what we're going through is we forget to understand those two truths about God. We forget to understand those two truths about our God. Do you understand? So what does he know? Each letter begins with this simple phrase. Look with me, verse 9. I know your works. Here's what I want you to see. You want to write this down. Jesus knows everything about you. Jesus knows everything about you. Some of you are like, God, don't you know what's going on in my life? You don't even need to ask that question. He knows exactly what you're going through. In fact, he knows stuff that you don't know. Do you understand me? You only know so much of what's happening to you. God knows far beyond you what's going on in your life. So here's what we need to understand. A couple of things I want you to see here. He knows the struggles and the problems we face. Look at what he says. I know your works, your tribulation, and your poverty. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. He knows exactly what you're going through. He knows everything. He knows every detail. He knows everything that's happening. And he didn't even need you to tell him. Ever pray sometimes when you're in the midst of your problem, you're like telling him all the details you know? Yes, he already knows what you're saying. He knows even beyond what you're saying. He knows everything. He intimately knows the pain that you're going through. Why? Because he's with you. He's with you, folks. He's with you when you're going through it. If you belong to him, the Holy Spirit indwells you. God is right there with you when you're going through it. He knows exactly What's happening? He knows the stuff that you're not even telling him. Jesus knows the struggles and the problems we face. Here's the other thing he says. Jesus knows the opposition we face because of our faith. Some of you here, you were, you're like that song we sang, I've decided to follow Jesus. And, you, and you've let people know that you're a believer, that you trust him. But yet you have some people in your life that mock you for your faith. You have some people in your life that ridicule you for your faith. You have some people in your life that are just looking for every kind of problem so that they can mock what you believe. I've had that experience. That still happens to this day in my life. I have family members that want to point out every time some dumb Christian does something stupid. And believe me, there are a lot of dumb Christians who do a lot of stupid things. They happen to be the ones that make the news all the time. You know what I'm saying? Jesus says, I'm very much aware of the suffering that you are enduring because of people who don't believe. So let's stop for a moment. Here's what happens when you and I go through struggle, and you see how he's addressing it in this letter. When you and I go through struggles and we feel alone and we're overwhelmed by what we're doing, first thing we do is we forget about who Jesus is and what God is. Right off the bat, he reminds us. He's bigger than your problem. He's always existed, will always exist. He's endured suffering. He knows exactly what you're going through. In fact, he tells us that and what we need to know. Number two, he knows what you're going through. Don't ever believe the lie that he doesn't know what you're going through. Did you hear what I said? Don't ever believe the lie that he doesn't know what you're going through. He knows exactly what you're going through. 
You need to grasp a hold of that truth. You need to own it. He knows exactly what you're going through. In fact, that'll change the way you pray. What do you mean? You don't need to spend a lot of time telling him, explaining to him, bringing him up to speed. He already knows. You can go to him saying, God, you saw what I'm going through. You know what I'm going through. I don't know what to do. You know what to do. Help me to know what I need to do. Because you know everything, Lord. He's intimately aware of your problem and your suffering. In fact, folks, he knows what's coming down the road for you. He knows. So what do we do? What does he tell us to do? Well, there's two things I want you to see out of this text that he tells us to do. What must happen? Verse 10, you know, I've preached through this passage before. In fact, it was 16 years ago in this church that I preached through this passage. No, I didn't use that message from then because I've changed, you've changed, and my awareness of the text has changed. So one of the things that stood out to me as I was looking at that text, I'm going to read you what it says, and then it just it blew me away. Do not be afraid of any of the things which you are about to suffer. Here's what I want you to do. If you don't mind writing in your own Bible, don't write in the Pew Bible, write in your own Bible, underline which you are about to suffer. This is a powerful truth. Here's what he's saying. Here's what must happen in your lives. Because remember, I told you, God doesn't promise to take away your problems. But the Bible assumes that you're going to have problems. Here's what he says. This is what you must be. Don't be afraid of the problems that are coming. Don't be afraid of them. You know, as you can tell, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty big guy. And sometimes appearances can communicate things that are not necessarily true. So a lot of times I can appear intimidating just simply because of my size. But the fact of the matter is, is I'm a chicken. Just being honest with you. Some things I'm not afraid of, but I'll tell you what I am afraid of. I'm afraid of suffering. I'm afraid of going through hard times. And I try to do everything I can to avoid them. I'll just be honest with you. I hate going through difficult struggles. I hate going through uncomfort. I hate it. You can ask my wife. I am a bear. I am always... She's got a lot of adjectives to describe me, okay? (laughs) So the the fact of the matter is, is I am a chicken. And I spend a lot of time worrying about what might happen. You do that too, don't you? We are a lot of times afraid of what might happen. And then when it happens, we're like, oh, no, we we knew it was going to happen. And it did, right? Jesus just comes right out and says, listen, I know what you're going through. I know the struggles. I know everything about you. I know what you're going through. I know stuff you don't know. Here's what I'm going to tell you. It's still coming. It's going to come. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of what's coming. Folks, it's going to come. Don't be afraid of it. Why, George? Because I don't like going through it. You don't like going through it. What do you mean don't be afraid? I'm scared of it. I'm scared of it. Well, the reason why we're scared of it is because we're not looking at the right thing. We're not looking at the right person. Why, he just told us he's the first and the last. He's bigger than your problem. He just told us he died and was raised again. He understands the pain that we go through. I'm looking at the wrong thing when I'm going through my problem. I'm afraid of my problem because I can't, I've forgotten to look to who? Jesus. Don't be afraid. The reason why you don't have to be afraid is because you know Jesus. Well, you just told us earlier he doesn't promise to take away our problem. No. 
but he does promise to give you grace to see you through it. Paul said this, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. Talk about a problem. And when we talk about thorn there, we're not talking about a thorn on a rose bush. The word used there describes an instrument of torture. He was given a problem that was intense. And he, and the scripture says that he asked God three times to take it away. Three times the apostle, the apostle asked God to take away his problem. Here's what God says. My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. He doesn't promise to take away your problem. He does promise to give you grace. Do you understand what I'm saying? He promises to give you grace. Don't be afraid of the problems that are coming. They're coming, folks, but don't be afraid of them. Jesus says, don't be afraid of them. Here's the second thing he does. Jesus knows every details of the struggles that we face. He knows every detail of the struggles that we face. Look at what he tells this church. I mean, if you're in this church... And the letter comes, hey, there's a letter from John, it's from Jesus for us, and you look at it, and here's what, here's what the letter says. The devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and have tribulation ten days. What a meeting that would be, right? I wonder who they're talking about. Church gathers, some of you are going to be thrown in jail ten days. Okay, amen, let's go. What's going on here? Jesus is telling them, look, he just told you, don't be afraid of what's going to happen. I know every detail of what you're going through. Sometimes you need to know that. That's how you face it. That God knows every detail of what you're going through. Every struggle. Every person that you're facing that's hurting you. He knows them. He knows their name. He knows the disease that has attacked your body. He knows what it is. He knows the financial difficulty that you're going through. He knows every detail, every detail. And you've got to, you and I need to understand that. You and I need to rest our hope and our faith in that. In fact, isn't that what he says there right after he says that? Look, he says, be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. You just keep hanging in there. You keep trusting. You keep holding on. So notice with me now the promise. The promise, look with me. Verse 11, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Here's what I want you to see. Jesus gives a promise to those who endure to the end. He gives you a promise. You hang in there. He gives you a promise. That's what it talks about overcoming. He who overcomes. It's to the believer who holds on to their faith, who holds on to the end, through the struggles, even in times when you're facing the struggles and you kind of falter in your faith. If you hold on, Jesus is giving you a promise. He's giving you a promise here. And here's what the promise is. is that those who follow Jesus will not endure eternal suffering. He's not going to endure eternal suffering. What's eternal suffering? Well, he talks about the second death here. The second death is, folks, hell. What is hell? It's a place of eternal punishment. Those who go there will, will suffer for their sins for eternity, forever. And listen, if you trust in Jesus, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, and you hold on to that faith to the end, he's saying you won't endure the eternal suffering. The suffering you're going through is just for the moment. In fact, you may want to write that down. 
the suffering you're going through, the difficulty that you're going through. Man, you don't understand, George. This difficulty has been going on a long time. Folks, it's only for a moment because Jesus promises you you're not going to suffer for eternity. What a letter. What a letter for us, isn't it? So here's what I want you to see. Two things I want you to consider. And I want you to ponder them. Number one, suffering is not a sign that God has abandoned you. See, that happens. It's especially that thought is amplified when we're going through it and you're praying and it just seems like God's not answering. Have you ever been there through something and you prayed and it feels like God's not there? Am I the only one who feels that way? Well, that's just George. Do you feel that way sometimes when you're going through it and you're just praying and you're intense in your heart? You want God to answer you and you don't hear anything but crickets? Silence? And so guess what the next feeling is? He's left me. I'm alone. I'm alone. Here's what I'm trying to help you to understand. When we look at this passage, when we look at this intimate letter that Jesus is giving us here, suffering is not a sign that God has abandoned you. In fact, folks, it's the exact opposite. He's with you through your suffering. You're not alone. You're not abandoned. You may not sense that he's there, but he is there. Because I don't know about you, when I'm going through it, I don't even want to take another step. He's got to take the steps for you. See, suffering is not a sign that God has abandoned you. If you're here today and you're going through it and you think like God has left you and you think like God has abandoned you in the midst of your problem, you need to grasp the truth. He hasn't abandoned you. You're not alone. Don't let the enemy lie to you. Jesus is there. You may not be aware. Sometimes we're so fogged up in our mind because of what we're going through, we can't hear him. You're not alone. Here's the second thing. Hold on to the hope that Jesus gives you as you endure the present. Hold on to the hope that Jesus gives you as you endure the present. Folks, we have to endure the present. Remember what I told you. He doesn't promise to take away your problems. You live in a world that there's going to be difficulties. There's going to be struggles. There's going to be suffering. So you just hold on. Hold on to what? That one day you're going to be with him. And the book of Revelation talks about he'll wipe away every tear. And there won't be any more sickness. And there won't be any more evil. And there won't be any more evil people that will hurt you. It'll be over. So you hold on. You hold on. You grab a hold of something that something's coming that's even better. You get excited about the something that's coming. You know, you know what I'm saying? I, 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 I love birthdays. I'll just be honest with you. Excuse me. I love my birthday. Why do I love my birthday? Here's what I love about my birthday. I love the fuss. I do. I love the cake. I think Lori even knows at this point, 20 some years into our marriage, she even knows what kind of cake and what kind of icing I like. And I know that she messes with that icing sometimes to, to do whatever she does. And, but I can tell, like even, you know, I know the type of icing and I know the type of cake because I love, I love the fuss over George at birthdays. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? And I know I just had one, but I'm already anticipating February of next year. Okay, I'm just telling you. So I live for the hope of the next birthday. Don't you do that with stuff in your life? You have an excitement for something that's coming. I find too many Christians today don't have any excitement anymore for what's coming for, for their lives as far as what Jesus has for them. You need to get excited that one day the pain stops. The suffering ceases. The wrongs done to you will end. 
That is the hope we have in Jesus. Some of you need to remember that. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.